gardening programme on this um, rather damp, <laughs> blustery, dare we say it, uh, the, morning, Porrick. Good morning to you. Good morning, to, Deirdre. Yeah? Good morning, listeners. These are the days that you appreciate the old glass house or tunnel or the potting shed somewhere to hide I for the day. I thought you were going to say these are the days you appreciate when you don't have to get out of bed too well, early. Well, that's true. You could sit in exactly, exactly. Maybe maybe that's it. But yes, no, yes. Th- these are the days where if you were a, a houseplant gardener or something yes, like that. Indoor houseplants, a, 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 yeah. a good day for tackling those kind for, of things. For, yeah. Repotting yeah. them and all of that. It's definitely an indoor day anyway. And this evening is to be wild again, I think, hasn't it? Wild enough. Yeah. 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 So look, I had a great day last Saturday. Remember were, I... Yeah, but much more pleasant last Saturday. And you went beautiful. to Kilchamaw. I did. I went to the team in Kilchamaw to the... Uh, if you remember, we, we visited the the site in Kilchamaw, which is uh, was a small derelict site uh, overgrown with trees and lots of weeds and rubbish. And the team there, led by uh, David McNicholas, who was the chairman of the Tidy Towns Committee mm-hmm. in Kilchamaw, they got together, a team got together to create a metal to basically bring the derelict site back to a community garden. And they achieved that last Saturday. We did the final planting of the plants. Over 50 or 60 people turned up on the day. A beautiful day. And we had great fun putting the the uh, plants into the garden and finishing off the final touch of the garden but it's amazing what they've done with in a relatively small time within a couple of months Yeah so they started this when was it back in April? April in yeah. April and you know you'll see if you go to my Facebook page Pori Corkin or go to my Twitter account Pori, at Pori Corkin I've got some pictures of the before during and after uh, a sequence of, of photographs just showing exactly what the guys mm. have achieved and it gives a great sense of the community spirit that was involved in creating the garden. So they took a derelict site back in April which was overgrown with trees, with weeds, with all sorts of rubbish, got advice from Mayo County Council so they got Peter Gill, the horticulturist there in, in Mayo County Council to come out and give them advice on what to do. And Sweeney was a fantastic uh, resource and support to them again in Mayo County Council and really the council empowered the community, to get together, to take charge of the project and to drive it on. So they then got people like Roadstone mm-hmm. involved. They got Murray's, who uh, recycling, John and uh, John in, in um, Castlebar there, who does fantastic garden fur- furniture out of recycled plastic. They came on board to put in lovely seating, lovely fencing. Um, and then we came on board from Hawkins to do the, the planting. And really, it was a fantastic community. The old metal comes to mind. The community spirit and bringing everybody together to yeah. achieve a, a common good or a common goal. Absolutely. Um, and in terms of, I suppose, just for community groups, because I'm quite sure there are people belonging to community groups and tidy towns groups indeed that might be listening this morning and we all know of spaces in our own localities that could be improved upon for Absolutely. whatever reason, whether maybe they just don't belong to anybody or they're lying dormant or whatever. So uh, what, I mean, you know, what's the maintenance going to be like now on this community space what kind of plants uh, were put in we put in a, well we put in a, a range of perennial plants some herbaceous border plants which means that they die back in winter but come back up in the spring so things like anemones that are in flower at the moment we put in some hardy shrubs that are going to give evergreen foliage all year round we put in some grasses as well so we pr- predominantly went for permanent evergreen mm. or foliage based or flowering plants that are going to come back year after year because you don't have to be out digging and uh, yeah and yeah. the guys put in uh, the mypex material which is the weed barrier material and put down some bark mulch so and the rest of it is very much hard landscaping so it's a mixture of paving gravel 
uh, very nice um, features in, mm. in terms of uh, garden furniture. It's really a seating area for the community. So the amount of maintenance, and like the guys want to actually do some maintenance. Of that's course, the, that's yeah, the great yeah, thing yeah, about yeah. it. They want to come back in the spring to, to do another little metal where, again, they're going to probably do a little bit more, more. planting. They may also put in uh, a little bit of weed control, obviously, and a bit of pruning back. And I'm going to join them in April. And we're going to do a... Okay, that'll be interesting. So 12 months on kind of thing. Exactly. And it's amazing what what it was achieved. I mean, we put in probably um, 150 plants last Saturday within two hours or three hours because everybody got stuck in Mm. and got involved. And it's amazing what can be achieved when you have the the hands there to help. Um, But I I see it in my own community in Turlock and Castlebar where the garden centre is. The the team there, the community have come together again to do a similar type project. They're enhancing the walkways and the roadway right through the entrance when you start at Turlock Village right through up the, up the village they've tidy up the area they've got rid of the weeds overgrown bushes and shrubs again with great support from Mayor County Council may I add and it's what, I, what has impressed me about both of those projects is how the council have empowered the local community and I think that's probably uh, pro- probably true across the board if a group of people a community comes together can kind of put a project together in some kind of proposal and go to the, your local authority wherever that might yeah. be you will there, find that there are people there that at least will support. guide you and hopefully support as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and the support in the way of giving soil or giving materials, but they really want the community because, you know, it's the community that, that encourages other people to get involved. Yes, and it's ownership for the community Correct. as well. Correct. And the, yeah. that's the sense that I got yeah. on the day was the great ownership, the great pride that the people of Kilchamot took and the, the, the team within Turlock Village. They've put up beautiful hanging baskets and containers. They've set up a team that, that maintain those on a weekly basis and the village has been transformed mm. within six months. Yeah. It's, and the work continues. The work yeah. continues on. And so it does. And it can grow. <clears throat> I mean, it's a, you know, whatever has happened this year may change a little bit next year. Maybe that's part of the joy of it as well. Absolutely. But these things are kind of organic and they're not fixed and they develop over time and depending on the people that are around to kind and of... more people get involved. To, yeah, you know, to, which, yeah. is, which is the great, great yeah, thing It inspires it. others to, yeah. so to, to do a little bit. We were delighted line. to be involved. It was a great project and it was lovely to see it come into fruition uh, last Saturday. So if people want to just get a sense of, of some of the pictures, they're up on my Facebook and I spell my name Porik P-A-R-A-I-C yeah. it's not the traditional <laughs> well there's, so a, there's the, a few there's a few variations there's a few different of ways of doing it so it's on the Twitter and it's on the um, it's on the Facebook and I'd like yeah. to get some feedback from yeah. people as well you know maybe from other communities if we can help yeah. them out certainly um, we're there to advise and help and support. Yeah, and so, I suppose do, do take a look at it because you'll be able to see what can be achieved. The before and after is always a great indication. It sure is. Um, and while it's not done overnight, it is done within a very reasonable time frame. It can be. With, uh, with a bit of help as the fellow A bit says. of support. Yeah. And well, it's amazing how the business community come behind uh, in, in well, it benefits it everybody. Well. You see, it at does, the end of, of course. The day, yeah. So, look at great credit to the team. Well I, I'm not going to mention them mm. all. They were just fantastic. We had um, uh, great uh, hospitality from the Kiladen Hotel as well. Was welcomed. I can tell you after a couple of hours of planting, I'm sure. the tea and sandwiches <laughs> were were really welcome. I'm but sure. a great community spirit, yeah. and we were delighted to be involved in it. And uh, I'm really looking well forward done. to next spring. We'll visit the garden again. Well done. Now, today it is, as we have mentioned, uh, a bit on the breezy side and I know a bit on the damp side. And w- you would like just to remind people if you have any young trees or pl- yeah. shrubs. Sh- just so. an important thing to remember, mm. particularly with this blustery weather. If you've planted trees in the last couple of months, they're still in, in leaf. Um, the wind is catching them today and knocking them about. So maybe tomorrow, Monday morning, go back out and just check and re-firm in. So get the old welly out and firm back in the soil. They often can leave a small hole around the stem where if water gets in over the winter period, the roots will rot. So just firm up 
any trees, and any shrubs. And would you need to stake them? Well, they should be staked initially Isn't when planting. Okay. Uh, but check the tree ties, they, they can become loose. Um, and certainly if the wind if the wind is rocking the tree in any way, refirm the soil around. Don't put extra soil around the plant, just refirm the soil back, make sure the stake is good and secure, make sure the ties are, are properly uh, positioned. And if you're finding trees are getting a lot, particularly young trees, are taking a lot of wind, mm. a good ad- idea is to prune them back, take some of the weight out of them. So maybe take off a foot or two of, of stem and that'll do two things. It'll obviously reduce the, the, the wind effect, yes. but also it'll encourage the plant to be bushier and stronger next spring. So you can do that even at this time of year. Right, and I suppose because so, <clears> people <throat> might think, oh, if I take stuff off now no. and it's windy, you know, I'm leaving it almost exposed No, you're not. No, if anything, you're actually doing okay. the plant a favour. You're stopping it from the wind, rocking it around in the soil. So refirm plants back in uh, certainly tomorrow or maybe Monday. Just check that. Even hedging plants, if you put in some whatever, um, you know, laurels or, or beech or whatever in the last couple of weeks, just refirm those back in, walk along them, press down the soil and just kind of make sure that they're good and stable because otherwise the roots will rot over the winter period. The other thing that was mm-hmm. coming to mind when I was driving up, Deirdre, and I, I think of this generally in the middle of the winter when the trees are falling over, but I think to watch out for at this time of year, particularly with broadleaf trees, mature trees along roadways, laneways, pathways or close to houses, if they've got ivy growing on them, this is the time of year to cut back that ivy because ivy during the winter acts like a sail. It catches the wind. So you can have a very large sycamore tree, you know, centuries old. And it can pull them down. Absolutely. And that's what happens. The wind, the ivy is evergreen. It catches the wind during the high storms during the winter period and knocks the trees over or knocks branches over. So this is the time of year particularly for trees along roadways, laneways, pathways or close to buildings or houses. Um, just cut the actual stem of the ivy about a foot from soil level. So if it's an old ivy, get an axe to it and literally cut about an inch gap between mm. the stem and the top part of the ivy will die away. Okay. So just go around the circumference of the tree, cut the ivy back. You can treat the root of ivy with brushwood killer at this time of year and that will kill off the root so it won't regrow mm. again. Uh, but it, certainly I, w- I would advise that. Now remember that ivy is also creates great habitat for birds, for honeybees actually at, at, in the autumn ivy produces its flowers so it's a great winter autumn kind of source of nectar Mm. for bees so I'm not advocating cutting ivy everywhere it's only where trees are vulnerable to falling over particularly roadways pathways laneways close to buildings that sort of thing the typical sort of damage we see in stormy weather where trees become a nuisance simply because the ivy has Has created that effect of knocking them over so this is a very good time of year now maybe not today (laughs) <laughs> tomorrow, yeah, to Monday, over the next use week. your heads. <laughs> exactly, over the next couple of days. Um, it, it, it just reminded me this morning, I suppose. Yeah, mm. and it's very, I suppose, because there is a little bit of, and it was, I know it was dark when I was coming in, but there was a fair bit of debris now from the last yeah. couple of hours yeah. of a breeze that was blowing Absolutely. during the night. And it does remind you that the autumn has pretty much arrived. It's, I think we passed autumn equinox during we the have, week. So, we're into autumn yeah, so we're there. officially now. Yeah. Um, so, so you look at just keep an eye out for that. A great time to cut back ivy, wild ivy, wanted. But you know, I'm not saying on every tree. It's not necessary on trees that are in, you know, well in off the the roadways okay. and so on. But certainly for trees that are vulnerable to to storm damage, this is the time of year too. Even do a bit of pruning on them, tidy them up, but more so to take that that ivy off. 
So they're the kind of things... Um, okay, well, that will keep uh, us busy. Yeah. Good variety of questions in Porrick, and we're going to talk. Uh, start off with geranium cuttings. So you spoke a couple of weeks ago, and I think you gave us a demonstration as well of uh, how to take a slip from a geranium. So this listener says, thanks very much. It worked great in big capital letters. Great. So what do we do next is the question. Do you pot them into bigger pots or leave them, or what happens yeah, well, now? If they're only taken, say they're, they're taken three or four weeks ago, they've just mm-hmm. started to root, so there's still plenty of time to allow them to grow on in the pot. So if they're quite close together, I would let them grow on for probably another two to three weeks, maybe till uh, about the middle of October. And at that stage, you can transplant them into uh, small individual pots. Now, watch with geraniums that you keep them quite dry during the winter period. So sit them on a windowsill uh, indoors, somewhere cool but bright, and allow the compost to dry out between watering. That's very important because... Geraniums rot very, very easily, particularly during the winter period if they get too much moisture. So you're always better to keep them on the dry side. Now, obviously, you don't let them collapse. Yes. But certainly, you would water the cuttings no more than once a fortnight, maybe once every three weeks, um, depending on the temperature of the room. So let them grow on for another week or two, then transplant them into individual pots, um, small pots as possible. And just be careful about the watering. Try to use a nice gritty compost as well. So mix a bit of perlite or vermiculite through the regular compost to get that nice gritty mixture. And then as we come into spring, in, in March and April, you can repot them into larger pots, say that the size of a cup or mm. something t- a little bit bigger, and then grow them on then for a couple of weeks and then plant them out of doors once we get into late April, early May. Mm. Okay, lovely. They'll be lovely. They'll flower really well next mm. season. And they already sound as if they're off to a flying start. Well, they're, so. they're relatively easy to, to germinate or to uh, propagate from cuttings, so they're... This is the time of year. Okay. This is the time of year. Now, trees. Can I get a tree that will offer both leaf <clears> colour <throat> and flowers? I'd like something with long-lasting colour for my back garden. So could you suggest some types and how do I go about planting them? Okay, well, this, first of all, it's, a, it's apart from today, but it's a great time of year as we come into autumn for planting trees in general. Uh, if you're looking for foliage trees with flowers, think of things like a purple leaf plum. That's Prunus passardia nigra. It's in the plum family. It's got purple foliage like the colour of dillisk or purple beech and produces a nice pink flower in springtime. So what's it's, it called again? It's called purple leaf plum. Purple That's, leaf is the plum. common name. It's easy name to remember. Purple leaf plum. You've also got the um, lovely red foliage uh, cherry. Um, it, it's got that kind of a burgundy, burg- burgundy colour. Royal burgundy is the variety. So look for that one. Royal burgundies. Again, it's got really deep purple foliage. Very nice autumn colour. But it also produces a very large pink flower, like the typical cherry in springtime. Really nice plant as well. So when it goes out of flower, you've got the lovely foliage, foliage. colour. And as we're coming into autumn, then it colours up really nicely. Um, another nice tree with, that will give you flowers, berries and autumn colour is a variety of sorbus called Joseph Rock. So sorbus jo- Joseph Rock produces white flowers in April yellow berries in autumn and red foliage in autumn. Oh, that's a, there's a good bit really of variety nice, going yeah. on there. And, and the red, the red foliage so and the yellow berries, berries and, and foliage. foliage. Okay, so. well, that's ticking all the boxes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really nice plant. Um, liquid amber is a lovely tree, mm-hmm. but not, not necessarily for its flower. It does flower and but the bees lovely, actually love it. But the foliage is gorgeous. Foliage is lovely in the summer and it's absolutely spectacular at the moment. It's got that lovely uh, red and kind of orange fiery tint to it at this time of year. Um, so that's a particularly nice nice tree as well. So Sorbus aurelutescens is the white beam, which again has silver foliage, 
white flowers and red berries. So there's quite a range of trees that um, can be planted that will give you both foliage colour and flower colour. It's nice to have the bit of foliage colour because, mm. you know, flowers can be brilliant when they're like the, like the laburnum. When it's in bloom, it's beautiful. But they but can when, be short-lived. Yeah, well, the leaves then are green until, you know, October. So mm. um, maybe look for some foliage plants that flower. So there's plenty of varieties available. It's a good time of year for planting Trees, trees in general they'll settle in very well over the winter and any tips in particular if you are planting a tree at the moment uh, you know he, they, they, the listener is just wondering how we go about planting it well what I would do is again just you know obviously pick the day that's going to suit where the soil conditions are, are workable and um, make sure that you put the tree down at the same level that you purchase it at so it should, it should be replanted at, at the nursery soil level that's important good stake two ties so put a tie about a foot from ground level, another one just to the crown of the tree. Take off the lower branches. So if it's something like a sorbus or a maple or a cherry, I would remove the lower branches up to about three to four feet on the stem. So you have a nice clean stem and I would shorten back the head of the tree. Now they'll often do this in the garden centre for you if you ask them. They'll shorten back the tree. They'll take maybe six or eight inches off the top branches again to create that lovely full bushy shape. And then it's good to go. Plant into the ground with a bit of compost, small bit of fertiliser and really, apart from this sort of windy weather, check mm-hmm. it during the winter time to make sure it's not rocking until the roots establish and it's away it goes. I mean, trees are relatively very, very easy to yeah. grow. They'd, they'd, there would be a very low failure rate. On there would. Yeah. There should be. Um, Now, onions. I had a really great crop of onions this summer, the last of which I picked during the week. Uh, Did you mention onions that grow during the winter? I think we 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 had a little chat about this last week. We did, or yeah, last week or the week week before. before, uh, Yeah, there's a variety. There's there's two actually varieties you could put in at this time of year. One called radar, which is the bright yellow onion that grows during the winter time. You can pick it as greens during, say, after January, February, or you can let it produce its full size. Uh, bulbs in April, May of next year, but it grows during the winter period out of doors um, or in tunnels, if you wish. And there's one called Electric as well, which is a red skinned onion, very like the um, Red Baron that we use during the summer months. So it's a milder flavoured onion, mm-hmm. very good for salads and for cooking in general. Again, that you can pick as greens during the winter or as full size bulbs in May. So now is the time to get them in. Now, I have a large terracotta pot and would like to plant it with mixed spring flowering bulbs to flower at different times. What do you suggest? Okay, well, all of the bulbs can be planted now. So what you can do is layer the bulbs. So you can literally take your terracotta pot, put some crockery or rocks in the bottom just to keep the the hole open at the bottom, a good gritty compost, put in maybe a foot of compost, and then start with the long-stemmed uh, bulbs. So things like narcissi would be really nice. Mm-hmm. Alliums, which are in the onion family, which produce big uh, purple-headed flowers in May, June sort of period, a- late April, May, June, if planted at this time of year. Um, you can put in things like tulips. So there's lovely varieties like Pinocchio, which is quite a short variety. Cape Cod, which has a red and yellow flower, really nice variety. Um, so there's a wide range of tulips. So they go into the next layer. Mm-hmm. So you build up the layers, putting a small bit of soil between each layer of bulbs, maybe putting in five to seven bulbs in each layer. So build them up from narcissi to alliums to tulips. And then coming close to the top of the pot, use dwarf narcissi, scented hyacinths. Um, again, cover those with soil. And at the very, very top, put in things like crocuses. Um, the smaller bulbs, like snowdrops, crocuses, would be ideal uh, just to give a bit of really early colour. So you'll have the snowdrops in flower in January, crocuses in February. The early narcissi will start to flower in March, early April, tulips from April on, and the alliums will give you colour 
um, you know, later yes. on during the summer. The other thing you can do with the top of the pot yeah. is it's going to be bare for until, oh, until certainly, yeah, until January, February. You could put some winter violas or winter pansies or winter cyclamen, which are in flower at the moment, and the bulbs will still come through those. So that will end up with a nice mixture. So put the, put the bulbs in layers, different varieties to flower at different times, and this is the time of year for potting bulbs in general. Again, if you want some nice scent for Christmas, remember that this is the time of year to put in the scented hyacinths. Plant them up now. Great thing to get the children to do. An ideal day to do it. Three bulbs in a pot. Simply put them out of doors for a couple of weeks. Take them back in about the first week of November into a warm, bright area, a classroom uh, somewhere in the house and they'll come into flower for Christmas and they're absolutely beautiful beautiful scent from them, yeah. Okay, lovely. Um, and I suppose the other thing is we, and I think we, you, you brought in a packet of these uh, not that long ago, the Christmas cake mix. Oh yeah. So the, that is kind of similar to what you've, uh, I suppose, in a packet, what they have, uh, what we've discovered there. You've got a great memory. Oh no. Fantastic memory. That resonated <laughs> that with you. Yeah. yeah, so that was a collection of yeah. balls put together by I the... I just remember the layering of the, of yeah. the packet, yeah so, yeah. yeah. so the Christmas cake collection, wasn't it? Or it was, was Christmas it? cake, oh, I think it was oh. called Christmas, Christmas cake mix. Mix, that was it, yeah. yeah. So that was a collection of different bulbs that you yeah. can simply layer yeah. into a pot and you get lots of colour at different times at different of the year. Times, yeah, yeah, and the different heights as well. So, yeah. and indeed, a lot of the, 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 the bulbs and flowers you just mentioned there were included. So, there was another packet that had 150 days of colour okay. from bulbs. Right. <laughs> so, everything in this packet <laughs> would give you 150 days of colour planted That's my together. kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, look at it. Great time okay. for planting bulbs. They are so easy to grow. They're foolproof, really. Once you, they get into a bit of compost and, and moisture and heat, away they go. Lovely. Now, I planted some seed potatoes in the tunnel in August for Christmas. Stro- but Great. Th- sorry, now, the stalks came up quickly yeah. and they were doing well, but about two weeks ago, they started to wither and die Why away. is there always the but? <laughs> <clears throat> well, look at the, we've, in the August of this year, we've had quite a lot of um, potato blight that kind of moist, mild weather we had in August uh, and early September favoured the spread of blight and that would affect potatoes. In a tunnel? In a tunnel, absolutely. It can do if the foliage is wet. Okay. If the foliage gets wet, but if you're washing the foliage and it gets wet or the tunnel gets very humid, you will get that, you can get blight on the... um, Particularly if they go off very quickly, if they were growing well and then within a couple of days they just began to rot and die away, that's an indication that, that blight will be present. And this year, the autumn has been, has favoured the spread of, of blight. There's quite a lot of blight warnings. And if you have, I, I, I don't know if this listener has other things in the tunnel, I'm going to presume though that they have. Um, I'm sure it's Tomatoes. not only potatoes. Um, is, is, can you treat the blight in that instance if there are other um, crops well, blight, around or pe- vegetables around? Potato blight will affect tomatoes as well. Yeah. They're both in the same families, the Solanaceae family. So, um, you do normally spray potatoes and tomatoes together to keep the blight off them. Potato blight won't affect any other vegetables. So if they've got onions or cabbage question, or yeah. anything else. Now, what the listener could do, you remember last week I mentioned there are plants like uh, cabbage pixie that you can plant at this time of year. It's a lovely small-headed mm-hmm. cabbage in the tunnel. Uh, butterhead lettuce, uh, the little gem lettuce, uh, kale can be planted at this time of year. Spinach, for example. So they could replace, put some of the, those sort of plants into the area or into the pots. Uh, to grow on. But uh, no, those potatoes just won't have formed it. They hadn't enough time to form as the need really to go right up to the end of October. Sorry about that, listener. When you're growing potatoes in the tunnel, watch that the foliage, if the foliage gets wet, you leave them susceptible to blight because blight needs moisture on the leaf to spread. Moisture and a bit of heat. Exactly. And, And August this year was just 
it was just atypical of the ideal conditions for, for blight spread. Now, I have a coleus plant. The coleus, yeah, right. lovely plant. Can I plant in a pot and what kind of soil? Is it an indoor plant? Tell us about coleus plant. Okay, well, coleus is grown for its foliage colour uh, predominantly. It's got beautiful shades of reds and yellows and really kind of a, a lovely kind of attractive leaf plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Many people grow it, coleus, as an outdoor plant for the summer, as a bedding plant, as it were. So it's perfectly hardy out of doors from May through till the end of September, early October. After that, once the frost gets it, a bit like a geranium, it'll oh. kill it, it'll smash it to bit. You see it now? I do, yeah. Yeah, it's a lovely plant, very easy to grow. Variegated leaves. <clears throat> Variegated foliage, and it produces a blue flower as well in the, at this time of year. You'll see the little blue flower, but it's mainly grown for its foliage, and it makes a beautiful bushy Really bushy plant. Now, it's a, it's a plant that if you take it in for the winter, you can have it as an indoor plant. And you can grow it indoors all year round if you wish. It propagates very easily from cuttings. So even if you take short cuttings and put them into a glass of mm. water, they'll root. Oh. Or put them into pots of compost, they root very easy. So the listener can either dig up the plant or take up the plant, cut it back and repot it into a large pot and bring it indoors. And or take some cuttings from it and root little plants. Now, coleus tend not to be long-lived plants. So if right. you get kind of three or four years out of the You're one plant, well. it t- yeah, they tend to get a bit woody and they tend to get a bit old. Um, so it's a good idea to, to kind of start fresh plants every couple of years. So you'd want to be doing your cuttings, really, if you want to maintain it? You, well, about every two to three years. Okay. You don't have to do them every year. Oh. Just to, because the cuttings give you the opportunity to start with a young plant again. It also can be propagated from seed. In springtime, in January and February, you can sow the seed of coleus. And they come in a whole range of different colours. A really lovely plant, easy grown. Kind of an old cottage garden plant that was around years ago. Right. Went out of favour for five or six years. And it's back again now, used as a... Um, and it's very reliable because it's the leaf colour. So yes. irrespective of the summer, if you get a wet old summer, it's still... It doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't really. Um, so it's coleus. Yeah, and can you, I suppose the question was, can we plant it in a pot? The answer to that the is yes. The answer is absolutely yes. You can dig it, say it's in the ground now, mm. dig it up, trim it back a little bit, repot it into, into a pot. It's probably a big plant now because they do spread quite wide. And uh, so you can repot it, you can bring it indoors. Somewhere bright, but relatively cool, so you're kind of mimicking outdoor conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so not in the sitting room beside the radiator, that'll be just too warm. Conservatory, patio, bright windowsill, somewhere like that for the winter. Uh, but consider some cuttings as well, because it tends to get big and bushy. Now, um, <clears throat> can I dig up hydrangeas now and move them? And I have two red flame japonicas, 10 years old. Would it be safe to move those as well, asks Tom. Okay. Well, what I would do is evergreen plants like Pieris forest flame or camellias or rhododendrons, this is the time of year to move them as we come into early October. So they move readily at this time of year. Now, you must remove as much of the root ball with them as possible. Mm. And forest flame does transplant relatively well. It is an ericaceous plant, which means it needs lime-free soil. So wherever Tom is moving it to, either into a really big pot or into to the another part of the garden, make sure it's relatively sheltered and add a lot of ericaceous compost or peat or organic matter. Remember we talked last week about the rotted cattle manure for, what was it, rhododendrons or something? I think so, yeah. Um, so add some of that if you've got some of that. Anything that is acidic, pine needles added to the soil will help to bring down the pH levels and create the right environments for forest flame. But you can move them at this time of year. The hydrangeas would be left until it goes out yeah. of leaf. So that's not going to be probably until the middle of November. So leave the hydrangea alone. It's still in flower. Um, so leave that if you can, with the foliage and the flowers go off it and then lift it at that time of year and transplant. Um, so deciduous shrubs, 
those that lose their foliage, trees, shrubs, hedging is left until the first, second week of November when they're totally dormant. But evergreen shrubs can be lifted at this time of year and transplanted carefully removing as much of the root ball as possible and replanting back to the same original level. That's very important. People often plant them an extra six inches deeper and that causes problems. The roots start to rot. So make sure it goes down at the original level and firm the soil in around it. Okay. Um, and in springtime then, give that forest flame some ericaceous feed, which again is specifically for forest. the likes of forest flame, camellias, rhododendrons, those That's acid-loving cool. plants. Now, <coughs> a listener says, I must be the only person who fails to get cuttings to grow. Well, listener, can I just tell you, you're not. <laughs> uh, they all turn black and rot. Would love to pass on some of my wild roses to my family. Also, can I take cuttings from my lilac tree? I'm a late starter and I'm in a hurry. OK, well, let's start with the lilac. <laughs> lilac will propagate from cuttings. And if yeah. you want to take them, if you want the, the best time to take them is early spring when the new growth is on the plant. They root readily at that time of year. So we're looking at kind of April, early May. Um, so take them literally, you know, six inches long, about pencil thickness, strip off the leaves, exactly like we would take normal cuttings and cover them with a polythene bag, sit them on a windowsill and have a go. The other way you can propagate lilac is either, but sometimes they produce suckers from ground level. Okay. So keep an eye for that. And if there's a sucker coming up, maybe six inches from the main plant, you can cut that off now. It'll probably have already rooted and you can pot it on. That's another way to propagate them. Or thirdly, you can use the rooting globe. You know, the sphere that fits around the stem. Yes. So what you do is you, you make an incision, not the whole way through the branch, 50% into the branch, a sloping cut, put a matchstick into the cut to keep it open, a little bit of rooting powder, and then fit the cutting globe around that with moist with compost. Cut, yeah. And leave it there till springtime and that stem will have rooted into the rooting globe. You can cut it off, plant it up, and away, away you go, go again. I'll put, I have actually made a little video on um, the rooting globe. So I'll put that up on my Facebook or Twitter account after the show and just show people how it actually works. Yeah. Um, so that's the cutting globe. That can be used on lilacs as well. Uh, the other plant was what? Roses. Was well, roses, yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, yeah, we seem to have a few failure, failures of uh, taking the roses uh, around the studio. I'm in the, I'd like to say I'm in that <laughs> camp and I don't think Teresa will mind me saying she's, she's also in the she same is. camp. So look at... <laughs> Have another go because you can still root uh, rose cuttings quite, quite easily at this time of year. One thing to watch, the listener mentioned that the bottom of the cutting rotted, went mm. brown. So you need to cut the rose at a node. That's the bumpy part on the stem. And that stops that rotting occurring because it's the toughest part of the stem. So when you're taking the cutting, just cut right below the node, strip off the leaves, strip off the flowers. Again, take them pencil length, mm. pencil thickness, rooting powder into a pot of a very gritty compost and cover them with a polythene bag. And again, try them at this time of year. I've asked Teresa to bring in some cuttings next week. Yeah. Because I'm going to have a go. She's got a real old variety. Yeah, and the ones I have are, 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 are they're nearly 100 years. Well, look at what... Or not, but in my aunt's garden. And I'd love to take, you know... bring some in next week. Okay. And I'll take them We'll have a go. And we'll have a go. And we'll see see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give the challenge and see what happens. Okay, well, we'll happily lay down that gauntlet. This is the time of year to have a go again with them. And um, you will find them... You, you, you should find them relatively successful. Take this year's wood, make sure you cut them below the node, strip off leaves and flowers, rooting powder, you know, and in the size of a cup, you'll fit 10 or 15 cuttings into that. Right. 
Um, and so we'll have a go. Okay. We'll have a go and okay. see, I'll, see I'll, what we'll happens. We'll bring those in. So yeah. set you. Now it does work. take several weeks. No, no, I'm dry, not. I'm, you know? I know. And like, like the listener, we're all in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. You got to be patient. I'm, I know. I, I, I was patient previously, but again, I don't know what I did. Okay. I didn't. Well, I let's just, give it a go. The magic see, touch wasn't there. Uh, one or two plants. I'm, I'm a bit of an education. Well, it's ever always an education for me. This program, but uh, there's a few pro- plants I haven't ever come across here okay. before Shoot. today. Yeah. Let's uh, hear them. So. Let me just scroll back here now. Apologies, apologies, apologies. A roostophinia mm-hmm. in my garden. Um, would would like to take a cutting or a shoot. How and when to do it? It's a lovely variety, brilliant leaf colour in October. What's a roostophinia? Roostophinia. Roostophinia. Commonly called the shumac or stag's horn tree. Right. Still, so a reload, still none the wiser. No, no, it's, anyway. it's a lovely plant. Um, you can, if you Google it, mm, it it's... So Rustifinia or Schumach or Stag's Horn is grown for its foliage colour. It's shape, I suppose, in foliage colour. So it produces green leaves in, in summertime, but they turn a brilliant uh, autumn colour, like Virginia Creeper. Um, very easy tree to grow. It's kind of a medium-sized tree. It doesn't make too big, really, I suppose, a, a, a large shrub or small tree is the, probably oh, the best way to yeah. describe it. And it often puts on... And the, the branches grow like a Stag's Horn antlers. So they're kind of wide and uh, They're out. wide and spreading and, and that's the way it gets its name. So um, it often produces suckers. Right. So like a bit like the lilac. The lilac, yeah. So if you see the suckers coming up, you can propagate it from, from that and you can also take cuttings from it as well. But it, it, certainly if it produces a little sucker on the side, that can be cut off at a sharp spade, transplanted. Now it is a plant that tends to spread so you have to be careful that um, you know, you've got space to allow it to to fill out and, and mature because it'll spread anything up to twenty feet in diameter. Mm. Um, so it's more shrub-like than tree-like, but it will attain a twelve, fifteen foot um, height. So it's a lovely kind of specimen plant in a big lawn in a big or lawn. a big shrub bed. But you'd but want a big enough space for it. You would, right. and and um, it gives fantastic autumn colour. Good time of year for planting them in the garden as well. Uh, there's a variety called dissectum, which has more dissected leaves, more kind of fine lace-like leaves, which is quite nice as well. That's rust typhinia, oh, yeah. easy to grow. Now is the time to take a, a, a side shoot or a cutting from it and, and propagate it. And, and cuttings uh, in the, the same mm, manner as we've been discussing absolutely. already. Okay. The, other, the other thing you could do is put it into a really big pot. If you didn't want it spreading, oh, yeah. you could actually plant it in a Contain big plastic a pot, bit. sink the pot into the ground and allow it to, it'll help to keep it the, the suckers Good. from spreading. Okay, okay. Yeah. kind of keep it a bit keep on the restricted contained. side. Contained, yeah. Uh, now, a couple of questions regarding the moss uh, mm-hmm. and uh, zero and that, no, say. I'm afraid not <laughs> and it, it is everywhere, admittedly. Um, so somebody, first of all, used uh, zero to clear the lawn so they now uh, have some bare patches and they want to know can they sow fresh seed to fill yeah. in those yes, bare patches? Not a day like today, but obviously uh-huh. you know, the day, a couple of days during the week where I ideal for doing so yeah get yourself a nice dry day mix up the seed with a bit of compost in a barrel first of all and then literally just throw it onto the area brush it in it'll germinate over the winter period and fill in any any gaps so this is a good time year to do that maybe cut the lawn first of all make it easier for you uh, I have a front lawn which is approximately 300 square metres it's covered in moss normally okay. use Osmo twice a year but this autumn I have zero I'm terrified to spray it on because I think once the moss is gone I'll have no lawn left <laughs> I appreciate the moss will remain there until I treat it as there is so much will I have to rake it out once it has died well it depends how heavy the moss is yeah. I mean, what you'll find with the zero it's going to kill it within it'll kill it, days and right? it'll kill it very quickly Yeah. yeah. Um, so it really depends what's left if it's very heavy then I would 
would advise giving it a, a, a raking but the raking it'll come out very very easy it'll j- literally just lift off and um, it'll be totally dead at that stage and again like I said you can reseed at this time of year mm. um, ger- seed will germinate for the next four to six weeks you can safely put down lawn seed and it will still germinate, still germinate yeah. yeah I had I had no I had a patch in my, in my lawn that was really bad and I did put zero on it and there was almost no grass left uh, right. and I did have to kind of scuffle it out with a rake but it came out really easily and yeah. you know put down a bit of fresh seed yeah, and, and, I, and the, the key point that I keep mentioning is now is the time to yeah. treat the moss it's gone leave, now that's the main thing exactly yeah. so you're now on top of it, it's, it the lawn is in good condition give it a bit of a feed and you'll keep it in good condition for the winter and I would advocate that maybe around Christmas just go back on the lawn, keep an eye out. if there's any moss beginning to creep back, hit it again with a zero and you'll prevent the big problem that people have in ne- next spring. Right. So now is the time really to get out there, get the lawns moss free, give them an autumn feed, do a little bit of reseeding and you know, you're still going to mow the grass, you know, I mowed my own during the week so you're going yes. to mow for another, yeah, another two to three yeah. weeks, easy, yeah. right through October. Now, sycamore seeds, uh, I know we've touched on this in the past, somebody's wondering about their how poisonous they are and if they have them, do they need to remove them from the garden? Well, there's a heavy crop of, of seed on most plants this year. You mm. see the mountain ash and you see apples and all that are, are fruiting really well. Um, so sycamore are no different. They produce a heavy crop of sycamore seed, which are highly poisonous to Ponies and and horses. Equines. Equines, yeah. So if you've got them in paddocks or in an area where you've got horses or uh, ponies exposed to sycamore trees, then you need to fence off the area. And the seeds are highly poisonous, particularly in the autumn period, at this time of year, when they're freshly, particularly daylight today now, they're going to be falling off the tree in the next couple of weeks. So this is the time of year as we come into October. They're the ones like the little helicopters. They're helicopters. That's exactly what they're called. Little helicopters and they they scatter, you know, within a couple of metres of the tree itself. So you can either rake them up um, or just fence off the area. Um, But they're they're only going to be poisonous to horses, ponies. Um, so, ec- so ec- ec- yeah, no, they're, they're fatal the to them. If they eat yes. them, if they eat enough of them, they're okay. So that's just it. Be mindful. Of be mindful. Where you yeah, have horse for, for horse owners and pony owners, be mindful of sycamore seed. I suppose. Um, I would like to plant. I would like to grow some easy indoor plants for my sitting room and my kitchen. There's good light and it's warm. Would you have some suggestions on things that might be easy? Okay, what's the easiest of all house plants? What would you think? Oh my goodness me, boring. <laughs> the easiest of house plants. Uh, it's a very easy one to remember. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Aloe vera. It's a plant. Well, aloe vera is, is actually very easy. Yeah, that's quite a good one. That needs a bright, sunny location. There's a spider plant. The spider plants are very easy. Yeah, you're really you're, you're um, you know they're really old cottage. Yeah, not old. Yeah, but, but they're old, old style. Yeah. They're like Victorian house they plants. Are, they yeah. are. and they are the spider plants are lovely. They give a lovely bit of color. Um, after that, I don't the know. easiest of all is a plant called Sansevieria, which the common name of it is called mother-in-law's tongue. Oh. <laughs> Have you seen that plant? I can't, can't place it at the moment. <laughs> mother-in-law's tongue. Well, once you see it, you'll understand. It's got... It's got a big... Uh, <laughs> it's got foliage uh, roughly about two feet high. Leathery in, in texture. We apologise to all mother-in-laws everywhere. <laughs> you'll never forget once you see it. But it is the easiest plant of all to grow. It needs total neglect, unlike most mother-in-laws. Right. It needs total neglect. And it actually bursts its pot once it becomes pot-bound. It actually near grows out of its so pot. So it nearly literally. tells you, time, it time to move on, folks. That's the time to re... And you only repot it when it actually has contorted the pot or broken the pot. If it's in a terracotta box, it'll physically break the pot to get out. So... 
sans severia or mother-in-law's tongue they're available in, in florists and garden centres at the moment they're roughly about two feet high um, I'm not advocating that anybody gives them as a present to anybody but they're a really simple plant to grow right. they'll take shade um, they'll take central heating they require minimal watering I mean watering possibly once a month at most the thing that kills it is actually too much care too much watering too much feeding uh, and all of that so that's the, probably the easiest plant to grow is mother-in-law's tongue Sansevieria really simple plant the spider plant you mentioned are good mm-hmm. ferns are easy to grow the peace lily is another really nice plant I always kill those do you? I, they always die overwatering is well, generally that's, I don't know if they well in my house now they, they don't okay. always get overwatered but I have that, I've tried them several times and uh, invariably after a couple of months bang they, they gone go. okay. yeah. well, so I just tongue have a, for you yeah, I think. so I think so too yes. um, Chefalaria is another plant which is quite nice the umbrella plant um, Chefalaria which again is, is a relatively easy plant to grow up. so Anthurium the painter's palette mm-hmm. that's a lovely lovely plant it's got um as the name suggests, the flower, the bract is in the shape of a painter's palette and the bract lacks or the flower stays on the plant for several months. It's got dark green foliage as well. So any of those are really simple. This is a good time of year to get them. Um, remember with houseplants in general, you cut back on the watering now. As the light level starts to reduce, you, you start reducing the watering. So try to nearly underwater than overwater because you can always bring a plant back, back. from underwatering. But it's hard to, if Correct. the roots are, are gone, they're gone. They're rot and that's it. So try to, you know, Certainly, as we and, and it depends on the room and the central heating and all of that. But nearly start to get used to the weight of the plant. That's how you know. You lift the plant. You, you'll get to use know the weight. And as it gets lighter, obviously, it needs more water. Okay. Um, my conference pears have produced a huge crop this year. Just wondering, will they all ripen, and how long to leave them on the tree before I pick them? Well, it's been a great year for Yum. pears as well as as most fruit trees. Conference is a real hardy variety, and it's a late. Um, season variety so it tends to mature around the third week of October the fourth week of October if anything it actually needs a bit of frost to help to ripen the fruits and you generally pick the fruit when they're still quite solid and hard when the flesh is still hard so what I would do is just check check the branches if there are very small fruits that really aren't going to make full size pears take those off because they're only taking energy from the tree that otherwise would go into um, the, the larger fruits so take the clusters of pears you know, thin them back to maybe one or two pair fruits. Uh, so thin off any... any and should that small... have been done earlier in it, the season? Ideally, or yes. is it okay now? Well, do it now, but ideally that should have been done back in June, July. Okay. Um, but, but having said that, so anything that you, you don't think is going to be, is going to form a, a proper size pair, take that off. So you're leaving the tree with maybe 20, 30 fruits to develop. And... Um, really just leave them alone allow nature to take its course they've got another what probably another month yet before certainly into the early part late October early November depending on how the autumn goes and do pick them uh, hard and then they'll ripen indoors on a windowsill or in an area during the winter period. Okay, so don't yeah. be waiting, waiting, <coughs> waiting because they they'll probably get da- damaged by bad weather or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but I, you certainly do need to leave them till the end of October anyway and then if November is mild and, and they're still uh, ripening then leave them you know, for another week mm. or two. You could certainly go up to late November if 
if the autumn is mild and they're still to still mature on the tree. Now, I'd like to grow the scented hyacinth bulbs. Do I need a special bulb compost? And how many to <clears> a 12-inch pot to give a good show? OK, well, if you're growing them for indoor, where most people would be, I would advise some of the bulb fibre because that's got charcoal mixed into the uh, compost, which helps to keep the compost sweet, as we call it. The compost won't become smelly and go off indoors. So get yourself a small bag of bulb fibre when you're in your local garden centre. It's cheap to buy um, and simply plant the plants into that. If you can't get if you cannot get bulb fibre, regular compost is fine as well. Um, but the the bulb fibre has its more coarser mix and it has charcoal added to it just to absorb. In a 12-inch pot, you'd be putting in probably 9 to 12 bulbs. You literally have the hyacinths nearly touching one another. Mm. So put in plenty into the... And have the nibs of the hyacinth just peeping through. And even a section of the bulb can peep through. So they're nearly sitting slightly submerged on the top of the compost. Um, Make sure you put them out of doors. That's very important to put them out of doors for at least... Uh, four to five weeks they need that cold even this sort of weather they need to be outside make sure the pot is drainage obviously there's holes in the pots uh, put a bit of stone over that put in your bulb fibre then put your bulbs in firm them in well and then sit them out somewhere in the garden you know that they're not going to get knocked about mm. and then take them back in at that stage in early November they'll be very strongly rooted you'll probably see some of the roots coming out at the bottom of the pot and you'll see about an inch of growth on the top of the pot and that's the trigger then to bring them inside, fool them into thinking it's springtime and they'll flower for Christmas. Now we have a couple of hedging questions <clears throat> so I'm going to kind of bring all yeah. these together. Um, first of all, somebody's thinking of planting a new hedge uh, to give them a little more privacy, wondering well, what time to plant, okay. uh, when do they start, how do they prepare the area and the soil and then on foot of that somebody has a laurel hedge that was planted 18 months ago. Uh, they're wondering, can it be trimmed back now um, it's very wide or what time of the year is suitable for trimming? Okay, so in, in, in regards to planting new hedges, we are in the time of year for planting. Um, certainly this time of year, potted hedging can be put in. So it can be potted beech or boxwood or holly or whatever you want to put in to create a hedge. If it's going into a lawn area, my advice is to trim the area down quite tightly with the lawnmower and then spray that area off with something like Weed Free 360, which will kill off the grass and weeds that are there without contaminating the soil. Leave that for a week to 10 days to work. Once the grass has gone yellow, you're safe to dig. And you literally just plant into the area. There's no need to till the soil or dig it up beforehand. You simply dig the individual holes, possibly 18 inches to two feet apart, and uh, put on some compost when you're planting the plants. So any time over the next couple of weeks. So if you get a dry day this week, spray the area off, get ready for planting, then a week later, put down some compost when you're planting and firm the plants in. Now, I always advise trimming the hedge back once you plant. So if it's laurel, if you want a bushy, mm. full hedge, laurel, privet, whatever, take the top six or eight inches off the plant. And the listener that mentioned about their bushy 18-month-old yes. plants, they really should have da- done that from the time of planting. Having said that, do it now. No. With this windy weather, they're only going to get damaged and blown around the place. And they'll look take, raggy. Absolutely. So take a uniformed height. So take a point. So if it's a two feet from the ground or three feet from the ground and trim the hedge, some of those you'll be taking a foot off, others maybe six inches, but get that kind of uniform shape. Trim the sides, trim the tops, and that'll encourage a nice full bushy plant next spring. Okay, and very finally, in about 30 seconds, I have a crinodendron growing in my garden that flowers beautifully each May and June, but I notice flowers on it at the moment, about 10. Why is it flowering again? Out of season, <clears throat> I thought they were summer plants. You could nearly answer this one yourself. Well, I have lavender and it is growing again as well. So I <laughs> yeah, guess it's just temperatures. It's, are it's been warm. very mild. It's yeah. been very mild. And crinodendron, like rhododendrons or azaleas or magnolias, 
uh, camellias often produce flowers in the autumn period because it's very like spring-like yeah. weather. So don't worry, worry about them at all. You'll see lots of young embryo flowers that will be carried through the winter. It'll still put on a show of colour for you next okay, April and May. It's, it's, so nothing It's to not worry completely about. confused. So look, at visit visit my Facebook page, Porry Corkin, or my Twitter account, at Porry Corkin. And indeed, if you want to send me a question, you can tweet me a question and I'll answer it um, over Twitter. That's great, Porry. Thanks very much indeed. And thanks to uh, all of you for your company over the past couple of hours. Uh, Michael Leary on the way next, of course, with Country Classics. I'm back again next Saturday, just after seven. Until then, have yourselves a great weekend. Good morning to you.